Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening, you're taking a moment to just be present, to breathe, and to enjoy whatever moment of beauty is before you. It could be a something simple as taking that deep breath. It could be something like noticing the sun in the sky. But take a moment right now just to breathe. <sighs> And today I would like to welcome a very special guest. She is a beautiful person that I met um, a few years ago at a writer's conference in, uh, in Vermont at uh, Middlebury College. It's called uh, the Breadloaf Writers. Oh, wait, what is it? Breadloaf? It was the Breadloaf Environmental Writers, Environmental Writers Conference. <laughs> yeah. It's a long so title. Away with a very long, like, title for the conference, but it was amazing. And, and so I got to meet this special woman um, and we connected right away. And uh, I'm very excited to speak with her and for her to share her stories with you guys, because she's been through so much traveling the world over the last, who knows how long, I feel like you've been on the road forever, <laughs> but also to talk about, you know, how writing plays a role in all that stuff. So welcome to the show, Ms. Marguerite Harold. Yay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> welcome, my friend. I'm so glad we got to coordinate and, and get this going because um, I feel like we've got this, this really great connection and that you have so many things that, that you can share that would really help our um our audience our listeners oh um, thank you for inviting me yeah you're welcome all right so hold on a second um i'm going to go through this book of poems by hafez called the gift and i'm just going i want to do this to the microphone <laughs> i'm such a good um Ooh, all right this is a little bit longer than some of them but this is called there could be holy fallout Okay. We are often in battle, so often defending every side of the fort. It may seem all alone. Sit down, my dear. Take a few deep breaths. Think about a loyal friend. Where is your music, your pet, a brush? Surely one who has lasted as long as you knows some avenue or place inside that can give a sweet respite. If you cannot slay your panic, then say within as convincingly as you can, it is all God's will. Now pick up your life again. Let whatever is out there come charging in. Laugh and spit into the air. There could be holy fallout. Throw those ladders like tiny matchsticks with just phantoms upon them. Who might be trying to scale your heart? Your love has an eloquent tone. The sky and I want to hear it. If you still feel helpless, give our battle cry again. Hafez has shouted it a myriad times. It is all, it is all the beloved's will. What is that luminous rain I see all around you in the future, sweeping in from the East Plain? It looks like, oh, it looks like holy fallout, filling your mouth and palms with joy. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so what's coming to mind for you? Oh, that's making me cry. Um, wow, that's making me cry. I feel like that was definitely a prayer and a gift for me. Mm. Woo. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> Holy because I'm definitely um, have been doing battle in a way. And it's, mm. it's an internal battle. It's an external battle. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on with my family um where it's it was literally like family member against family member everybody's got to take sides this is a battle and i've um had to really go deep inside to say you know no this is that this is not my thing 
this is, it's a family issue, but this is not my thing. And my way of dealing with this is to just try to figure out where, where are the lessons and where can I bring peace to the situation? Because it's a situation that could rip the family apart. But my gut feeling is that it's something that can also bring us closer together and help us all deal with the trauma of being in our family. Like we all sort of had that. So this really kind of speaks to that and speaks to just lately I've been like needing glitter in my life. Mm, <laughs> yes. So I bought a bunch of glitter from Target and I found some walking sticks and just covered them with shellac and glitter. And yes. I think there's a little girl who lives across the road and we've just been playing because there's just a lot of energy that's happening right now that's really heavy. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I also feel, you know, that wind of change that's happening too. So while everything is kind of in some ways uprising, um, I've also felt like a deep sense of peace too. So it's, it's so I feel like this speaks to that, like the, the battles that are happening, but then also the peace that can come out of that because of us going within right now. Yeah. We can't do much else in some right. ways, you know? <laughs> right. So. right. Right. And I, and I love all that you said, because I I'm thinking about how everyone must be engaged in some version of battle. You know, yeah. whether it's in family, whether it's just simply staying healthy, um, whether it's, you know, social, racial justice, um, or even just like internal battles. But to right. know that there's an opportunity for growth out of these battles, I think is a really important way to focus it. And I love that you are, you're focusing on glitter because yeah. I actually just bought a bunch of sparkly star stickers oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> and because I, I also need that sort of uplift and yeah. and what I'm doing is um, taking like if I have like a little win for you know whatever it is in my day I put a sticker on um, you know somewhere to just yeah. kind of mark like a visual marker of like yes okay you made it like you did something that was yeah. positive instead of focusing on the battle itself, even though it's right. sometimes important to be engaged in that battle. But I, I, right. I like how you are aware that maybe this battle that, that's going on in your family isn't yours. And, and what can you do from, from where you are standing? Right. Yeah. Cause I'm the oldest sister and the only girl. So I have five younger brothers. Oof. Yeah. So it's yeah. always a, you know, there's always a, you know, we're a bunch of hooligans. There's always a ruckus going on. So um, well, that's a lot of uh, testosterone you got to deal with. Yeah, definitely is. That oh definitely man. Is. Uh, and they got to deal with, but they got to deal with me. So it's like, yeah. you know, cause I'm the, I'm the leader of the hooligans. I'm the first yeah. one out of the box. Yeah. So um, Matriarch. And, yeah. And it's, and my, and my mom is passed. So, mm. uh, it's to, and I look just like her and sound just like her. Mm. So there's all of that stuff in there, which it used to bother me. And now it's very comforting. Mm. Love now it. it's very comforting when I look in the mirror, sometimes I'm just like, Oh, okay. Hi mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, at, but traveling and leaving, um, they all had to learn how to deal with each other. There wasn't, so I got a chance to take a step back mm. um, and watch and see how they relate to one another now. And I, I like being, I like being out of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you, and you said something really important is this, you recognize that this is not yours, you know, and, yeah. and a lot of us uh, women have this, this challenge in distinguishing between what's ours and what's not ours. Right. right? And right. when do we step in and when do we not? Because as, as women, we've been conditioned to be like the caretakers of everybody you know, except right. ourselves. But right. I think that's, that speaks a lot to, to your growth that you have experienced to be able to distinguish that and to step back and say, hey, this is not mine. I mean, I'm part of the family, but right. I'll, just, I'll just watch from the sideline. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I try to support on this side and try to support on that side. Because usually my whole, you know, thing is to go full head on into something like, if there's a battle, I'm the one kicking up the whirlwind, you know, but I also realize that in that you have to be careful because, you know, with the, with the, with the hurricane, with the whirlwind, sometimes when things get destroyed, there's nothing left. Mm. 
right? Yeah. There's nothing left. And so mm-hmm. while that's an opportunity also for growth and renewal and rebirth, it can be very damaging too. So I'm just trying to be careful with myself and with everything that I come in contact with just yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, so for, for our listeners, um, Marguerite has, uh, has traveled the world (laughs) over a period of time. How long, how long was that? Was that two years? So I left Chicago, I left Chicago three years ago. Okay. So, and I was traveling internationally for a year and a half. So I pretty much did a year and a half traveling across the country and then a year and a half traveling internationally. Yeah. And I went to 10 countries. So I, I was in, I, so the countries are Fiji and then New Zealand, Australia, Bali, Thailand, Nepal, Tibet, India, and Sri Lanka and Brazil. So that's and, and, and what now you just listing that because I followed yeah. you and your travels. Yeah. Anytime you, you post it on Facebook, I was like, Oh my God, where in the world is, it's like that show. Where in the world where is Marguerite? Marguerite yeah. <laughs> and, and just you listing those countries immediately. I saw a spiritual journey because yeah, a was. lot of those geographic locations yes. are known to be spiritual destinations. Right. And there's, yes. and there's something to be said about, energy centers on the planet. Now, some people might not, you know, believe into that stuff, but my listeners do because it's a freaking spiritual podcast, (laughs) right? And so, I mean, scientifically, and I just found this out recently, scientifically, the core of the earth has two polar opposite charges, which creates the electromagnetic field around the planet. And because these, these two energy fields are, um, are sort of in, in, repelling energies to create the electromagnetic field, depending on where you are on the planet, the magnetic field varies. So the energy centers that are different are because of that. Like, so if we just want to bring science in for those (laughs) non-believers. Yeah. Right. right. So these locations, yeah. So these locations that you've been to, I'm so fascinated by, by that. Did you sense and this is not where I wanted the initial conversation to go, but I'm curious now. <laughs> Did you sense these 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 energy shifts? Maybe. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Like I knew that this was going to be a spiritual journey. I just didn't know how it was going to go. Of course. Oh yeah. I mean, Fiji, being my first country. You know, Fiji's a black country, right? And so I don't think people know are, that. Oh well, Fiji is a black country. Fiji is FYI, a people. I, Fiji's a Polynesian island and the different, or Melanesian island rather, and the difference between Melanesia and Polynesia is that there's melanin, meaning black, Ooh. meaning brown. So they're black, they're black people with afros. You Look at that. Walking, walking downtown, naughty Fiji, I was like, almost like walking in Brooklyn, except everyone was dressed in sort of traditional Fijian clothes, right? <gasps> oh my God, all the colors just I'm just like imagining. Your, all the colors, yes, like your Ooh. aunties. And so it's very, it's very, very similar in some ways um, to like Hawaiian or other Polynesian cultures, um, but, but it's also very similar to different African cultures as mm. well. And so there, Fiji is known as a place of great healing and a great place of great sorcery. <sighs> and you definitely, go. you definitely feel that energy. Fiji is a place that has some of the most healing plants on the earth that just fall out of the trees. Oh so, so yes, I definitely, definitely felt it there. Def- I mean, just about every place I went, I really did because you've got, it was Fiji and then you get to New Zealand and then there's all the Maori folk. Yeah. Yeah. And who I what I love is that they just Fijians, they say Bula sister. You know what I mean? Like immediately <sighs> accepted me. It was the first time that I've ever been any place where I got black privilege. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you're taking it was like, it oh my God, I'm among my people. You yeah. know? Like, and I don't like, stick oh, out hey, like a sore throat. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like I might have been the only black person on the tour, but the tour was of a black village. And they were like, oh, hey, come on, sister. You want to sit Bro, in the front of the Why are you with the like, tourists? Yeah. Come over here. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I definitely, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Himalayas, mm-hmm. you know, which was... Ugh uh um, amazing for me um oh my gosh you just 
I can't even describe, like my hands are shaking now. Yeah. The, you just you know, have to go. You just, yeah. I mean, the energy that you feel is just very different. Um, I felt lighter. Like I had a lot of struggles, right? They were internal struggles. They were some struggles with the people that I was on the tour with because a lot of times on these tours, they, they are all white tours. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the tours where there were a lot of Brits and a lot of Americans or where there were problems because you got the same kind of, you know, you have people that were, had been to 25 countries, 23 countries. And you're thinking, how could you have been to all these places and still be the same narrow minded person you are? Yeah. And and I saw that it's because they go, they don't even bother to read like even the Lonely Planet version yeah. of, of right. what's ha- about the people about the culture about the nature about any of that and they just want to take the picture well you know what i'm thinking of as you're talking so, about that it it reminds it was, me of like going to a zoo like a traditional zoo yes where you go and you yes. see and you see the natives quote unquote in their yes. natural habitat you take yes. your pictures and you are on the outside you know you're the yeah. outside observer and then yeah. you go on to the next display or whatever it is yeah so that's and, that's how it happens, I think. And for me, it was interesting too, because especially when I got into like Nepal and Tibet, um, more so than any place else, pe- I, people wanted to take pictures of me. People were like taking self, wanted to take selfies with me, or they were sneaking and taking selfies. And people wanted to touch my hair because I have very long, um, I have very long locks. And at first it was bothering me because it's like, you don't, okay, you don't touch a black woman's right? hair ever, 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 <laughs> ever. They don't know though. They don't know. Do not, do not, let me tell you right now, touch your own hair. Do not touch. And in Fiji, it's, it's in Fiji, especially it is considered very rude and disrespectful to touch someone's head because mm. your head yeah. is where your ori is, right? Mm. Your head is mm-hmm. where your, your whole spiritual center comes from. So, um, but once I learned um, that they were just curious, then I learned how to say the proper greeting, right? So in Tibet, it's Tashi Dele. And then they smile, you know, and, yeah. they, and they're really, really happy. And yeah. then you have this exchange. And then I just start holding out a piece of my hair so they could touch it because they've never seen anybody who looked like me. Right, right. 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 And, and, so, and I think that that's important to, um, to distinguish as far as like you engaged with the folks there who live there, right? Yeah. In a way that it was like human to human. I'm not familiar with you. You're not familiar with me. Let's have a conversation instead yeah. of this sort of spectator position that, um, you know, the other white folks in your tour guide, tour group yeah. might have taken. Yeah. I mean, cause that was the whole point of it for me was to mm. get to meet the people to learn about the culture, to learn about the nature, to learn about the land, to learn about something different than myself, but also that similar things to myself and to see just the trajectory of how the different um, forms of spirituality have progressed and how similar they are. It was, I mean, it was just really, uh, I I can't even, I'm so grateful. And it sounds like it was an exchange. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't wasn't, like, let me take this and that or whatever. Yeah. That's not how, that's not even how we roll. Like in my family, you never show up empty handed. Right. So I I brought the gifts of myself or I brought literal gifts if Mm. there was, if if it was culturally appropriate to do so. So like in Fiji, if you go to a village, it's customary to bring the chief kava, which is um, kava powder because they make a drink that they use in ceremonies from that. So you bring kava and then you bring sweets for the kids. Or if you go to visit a healer. Um, you bring food that they can't grow because they can grow a lot of things in Fiji, but they don't, maybe not, they don't have rice or bread or sugar or mm-hmm. things like that. They don't necessarily grow those things. So you bring that. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's anytime you, you know, anytime you're asking for something, you bring an offering. So it's the yeah. same way. I feel like in exchange with people, if I come to your house, I'm going to bring you something, right. you know? So right. I, 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 right. I carried that around with me as I traveled from place to place. And, um, and I was treated with kindness pretty much yeah. every place I went and love. So it was awesome. Oh my God. That's so great. And I was, so I, I'm circling back to this, um, to what you started with, with your, um, family quote unquote battle that's, that's going on <laughs> and how you've, how you've now been able to step 
away to step back and, and look. And so has, has that, is that a result of your travels and what you've learned on this spiritual journey? Or is it something oh. that you've always knew and now you're just better at it because you were away for so long? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's a combination of both. I think being away from so long allowed me to absorb, like I was in therapy for years and years and years and years and years. And the, one of the main things for me was being able to separate what's my stuff mm -hmm. and what's my parents' stuff, what's mm -hmm. my family's stuff, what's the community stuff, what's my stuff and what's somebody else's stuff. And then how do I deal with both of those? So I think being away from everyone and traveling and having all these experiences and really um, seeing what I am like outside of the U.S. and all of the things that that means, right? Yeah. yeah. Did really help me gain a different perspective for sure. Um, and it took a lot of work and it didn't. And even with the family stuff, it took me like two weeks because the first two weeks I was full on in it battling on one side like all mm. the way like we are gonna tear them down ah. <laughs> and then I calmed down and got mad in a different way mm. and then I saw and then I was and then I took some breaths and I did some meditation and I took some walks and I I literally just asked for help and guidance and and then I was able to see like oh yeah wait a minute so what I thought was going on is not what was really going on Mm. wow okay so then what does this mean and it touched on some real deep um issues for me and it triggered me so i had to deal with that Ooh, and then yeah. and that's how i got there so it wasn't just like a bam 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 it was definitely a process all the way around and my travels have helped me just tremendously like the whole rest of my life and i'm not done this is just a, this is just a break to kind of regroup and um see what it is <laughs> plan out plan <laughs> out what's gonna happen <laughs> figure out what's gonna do finally finish this book whatever but um yeah all of those things really help me um to just understand my own power and so in understanding that a little bit better I see how I can really negatively affect something that I'm trying to positively affect if I don't check myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, you, yeah. you know, we, we have the best, in, best of intentions, but if we're not seeing it from a bigger perspective, from a larger perspective in terms of best for the collective whole, that's what, not what's best for you as an individual, not what's best for the individual that you're trying to help, but what's best for the collective whole, then we're going to mess up. And so we have to take a beat. I have to take a beat. I have to stop and just, I mean, stop everything mm. and sit and listen, ask and then listen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the key that so many of us are, are eager to act, you know, and, and do, 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 do that we forget mm. that we, hey, whoa, let's, let's listen for what the next right step might be. Right. What, what your ego might say is the thing to do next may not be in alignment with whatever the, the better, you know, thing is. When I say better, I mean the, the thing that serves from the heart rather right. than, the, than the ego. Um, because we're in a culture especially in the United States of do, 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 right? We got to right. do this. We got to do this. Do this. Like how many things on your to-do list can you check off right now? Instead right. of, Hey, why don't you just sit still for a second and listen, right. you know, right. and the listening is very hard for a lot of us because it doesn't feel quote unquote productive. Mm. And so, you know, it's, so what do you do with that? I mean, you, I think have practiced enough, to to be able to sit down and, and say, all right, I'm gonna listen. But yeah. you know, how would you tell someone who's not practiced in that way to feel okay with being still and, and really listening? And then it doesn't even have Ooh. to be meditation. It could just yeah. be you know, I gotta listen. What am I listening and, for? Yeah, and sometimes you know what? You don't even have to be still still. Like mm -hmm. you can take a walk. Yeah. Right? And in taking a walk, like the the air the trees i mean this sounds so woo woo but i guess we're talking to a woo woo kind of yeah 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 like, be woo woo you know everything <laughs> everything in the universe has energy right so you can take a walk like a lot of times my meditation will start off with me taking a walk 
Mm. Um, and just breathing my breath because I, I'm too hyper to sit down. So I'm focusing on my breath as I'm walking. And then after the walk, that is something that allows me to sit. Ah, right. So sometimes, sometimes we could do something else, you know, walking, kayaking, you know, sometimes we could do something else first that yeah. allows you to focus on your breathing. You know, if you're walking or if you're running or if you're, you know, on the rower or whatever you're doing, um, you got to focus on your breath so you can keep, so you don't pass out. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of need to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. And then, and then, um, and then I'm able to sit. Um, and, and breathe and listen and also listen in a way that I believe that it's, that it, that it's really happening. Like, cause I think for a long time for me, you know, I'm always sort of hearing influences. Um, and I think I denied them for a long time. Mm. Like I'm just crazy. Why am I thinking this stuff? Where is this coming from? This don't make no sense. And the more I did that, the louder it got. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The louder it got until you were totally. forced to like, you know, have crazy dreams and just things that are coming to you. And you're like, oh, okay, I need to. Yeah. And then, and writing is a way to sort of scribe that out too. So mm. that's also very meditative as well. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. to sit down and force yourself. Like I, I don't have a problem journaling. I've always really done that so that I don't say the things that are um, thinking <laughs> right. sometimes saying them out loud might cause more trouble than you want to yeah, do <laughs> a lot of times I'm a and, and she so we're very her locks over her shoulder <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah. if only you guys could see Ooh. this <laughs> i'm sure they can hear it in my voice sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no but i love that uh, because so what you're yeah. saying about the messages like you know am i weird am i crazy because a lot of people i think feel that way right because of this conditioning that we have with the with the three-dimensional world right with the very right. tangible physical world like here is a regimented path of existence right and if there's anything that diver diverges off of that then you're weird or you're wrong or you're you know like cuckoo or whatever um but I love what you said. And you said this um, before we started recording was that you have a whole tribe. Because I was like, spirit I do. Team. And you're like, no, I got a whole tribe of ancestors. I got a whole tribe. So they were probably yelling through a megaphone to you like, Marguerite. Yeah, they're yelling. They're hitting you in the head. They're just, yeah, they're, <laughs> you know, definitely. So, how is, so what's going on with the writing? Because I know you said that you, um, you do the journaling as, as a way of meditation, as a way of listening. Yeah. How is that? then becoming um something that you would present to the world you know i mean not necessarily oh, journaling, but yeah. how, do you, how do you transition that practice of writing into something that others can read or stories you want to share with people oh um well you know the it's kind of like the warm-up right like so it's the listening it's the meditation but then it's also kind of like the warm-up to getting ready to do the poem mm. or the essay or whatever you know, things I'm working on at the time. Um, and, you know, so it starts out with the journaling. Then I might read, you know, read something, whatever I'm reading at the time, or I read my go-to folks. Lucille Clifton's a go-to person. Oh, Philip Levine that. is a go-to person. Ross Gay, go-to person. Yes. Um, Bob Kaufman, go-to people. So I yeah. did travel with a lot of books. Um, and then I got a lot of stuff, like eBooks too, finally. Um, <laughs> And then that, that, you know, so you write as a way to warm up, you know, you just let, because whatever's coming on is going to come out. Yeah. Whatever's coming on to you is going to come out. And then that frees up my mind, my space to let the poem come, to let the poems come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are your poems, would you, how would you describe your work in relationship to your spiritual journey? Do they connect or intersect at all or... Does the spiritual journey just inform like whatever project you're working on? You know, like describe that a little bit. Um, yeah, I definitely think my poems reflect um, my sense of spirituality because a lot of my poems, and I don't think I even really realized this until maybe the last five years, mm. but my poems um, definitely call upon the ancestors, mention them by name. It's, mm. A lot of my poems focus on... Um, our family history, but also our collective history as um, African people, people of just diaspora. And there's a lot of nature in that. 
in that as well. And so with, tradi with traditional African spirituality um, really does focus on the elements of nature that have spirit, right? And it focus on, focuses on ancestor references and it focuses on our destiny and our character development. And so a lot of my work um, focuses, I mean, I talk about trauma, Mm. Um, I talk about my experience as a black woman and our experiences as black women. And I know we were talking earlier about like our audience and my audience definitely is my people. Mm. Now my people are everybody, but my people specifically my black and my brown people. Um, so I have to speak out to my life and my experiences. You know, I worked in HIV prevention for a long time. Um, and when you are talking about sex and sexuality, drugs and drug use, death and dying, and educating and working with community people, um, you're working with people. Yeah. So each of those people have stories. Yeah. And the most fulfilling part of that work for me was that you know, I do trainings to train people to go out and do all the different HIV interventions that they did. And so for me, it was really beautiful to see people from the community come in and go through this pretty rigorous training because they want to go out and help other people in the community. Mm. And so um, those, some of those stories and some of that stuff is now really starting to come into my work a lot. I don't think I wrote a lot of poems about it when I was doing it because I think I needed to stay focused on the mission. Yeah. Right. And not on my personal opinion or my personal feelings or cause we teach people to, to teach other people in a non-judgmental, culturally sensitive and culturally specific perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I had to sort of model that. And so, but now all now they're out of those it. things, now I'm out of it. All of those things are, are coming out and, um, you know, and also not working for the health department anymore. I have the freedom to write about what I've seen in that. Yeah. yeah. Too. So look out. Yeah, um, well, you know, there's out. a lot of stuff. <laughs> watch out. Cause he's coming out with a tell all book. <laughs> Listen, I'm on a mission. I have been on the mission since probably I was little. Like my mom really did community work and stuff too. Cause we grew up really poor. Mm. But even though we were poor, my mom would remind us that there's people that are more poor than we are. And that, and always with that sense of you have a responsibility to help your people. Mm. You are fortunate, you are blessed, and you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And so you have a responsibility and that's always been in me. So my writing, I'm hoping, I'm working to make sure that it reflects that and it speaks to people so that we can all see like, we're not, I'm, you're not alone. Like you are not alone in that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You are not alone in that experience. There are, we are with you and we stand with you. And yeah. So I feel like that's, um, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what and I'm trying that, to do. And I feel that that's so important because a lot of us, if not all of us, at least, you know, the black and brown folks feel like we are alone, like in our individual experience of like, yeah. you know, second guessing, like, was that comment racist? Right. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Or, you know, this is happening to me. There's no way other people would be experiencing this thing because of X, Y, and Z. And, and so one of the reasons I love, I love literature or just writing in general is that th these are opportunities to say, hey, I, there are other people who are feeling similarly, even if their story mm -hmm. is slightly different, that there is a shared experience in that respect right. that you feel less alone. And you're like, okay, I'm not, right. you know, I'm not a freaking loser or I'm not a weirdo or whatever it is, a freak. And there's so much comfort in knowing that. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking a, a few things while you were talking is, first of all, props to your mom. I mean, like... Oh. Amazing woman, it's just just, yeah, just, the, <laughs> just how you're uh, how you're talking about her. I was like, oh, I wish I could have known her. Um, but but she lives in you, like you were saying earlier. And I and I yeah. feel like you know, just you being you, who you're being is is a reflection of who she was, mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's beautiful. Um, but the stories now you're saying that you wanted to write about what you've witnessed in. Um, in your HIV work is what I was thinking was also in terms of timing, because earlier we talked about divine timing, that mm. this, this journey you took across the globe right. 
of a spiritual journey, spiritual opening and awareness, I think helps to ripen that opportunity to tell these stories through that lens. Right. You know, because it's one thing to tell a story of like, okay, I'm on the front line, so to speak, and then I'm witnessing all these individuals' experiences. But now to see that through a lens of, of everyone's a spirit soul, mm-hmm. how interesting might those stories be now yeah. with this new, this new awareness that you have? Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. I'm all, yeah. I'm all excited. I, I <laughs> like, would... Write the book, girl. I'm waiting to read it. <laughs> Shoot, you just got me excited again, too. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it was it, being in uh, India was a trip. Let me just say that. Yes. Um, and I knew it was a trip. And I went back and forth about whether or not I was going to India mm. for a long time. Huh. Like I started out planning, thinking I was going to go to India. And then I talked to a bunch of people. And I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to go. And, and for what my was mom. The, what was the thing like that was back and forth? Well, uh, well my mom. Um, studied world religion her whole life, and we're we're our family's originally from New Orleans. So you know, in New Orleans, it's it's you know ninety percent Catholic, one hundred percent Voodoo, right? So mm-hmm. we grew up with tradi- yep. traditional African spirituality as just as just part of our regular life. Like we didn't know any different. Yeah. And my mom studied world religions, and her the thing that I think spoke to her was Hinduism. So my mom was a practicing mm-hmm. Hindu for many, 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 many years, and. She had only been out of the country once and she went to India, flew first class, was gone for six weeks. We're like, how are you, you know? Um, so, <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> like, like, really, we were, didn't get one shot, girl. Came back with parasites, everything else, but she oh went, had a good time. <laughs> and um, uh, so I, I'd always sort of wanted to go there, but it was fear that made me think, oh, maybe I shouldn't go. Everyone was saying, oh, it's so dangerous to be traveling as a woman. And, and so traveling as a woman is one thing. Traveling yeah. as a black woman oh, yeah. is a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the U.S., traveling as a black woman in the world, uh, driving a car across the U.S. as a black right. woman in the world of Trump, a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So I'm thinking, you know, I was just afraid. Yeah. Um, and I really can't pinpoint what, I guess it was just, I was already in Nepal. Right. Yeah. Like I'm already in Nepal. I just gone into Tibet. I came back to Nepal. I'm like, I have to go. To, I have to go to <laughs> India. And so I found a tour. Right. And I found a tour so that I wouldn't be alone. I'd be with other people. Yeah. And I was really happy that I took that tour because I got to go to a northern part of India called Sikkim or Skim. And it's it's a little tiny like peninsula that used to be and it's it's on the other side of Kashmir. So and it's so it's right in the Himalayas. So it's Mm. right in between like Nepal, Tibet, and Bhutan. Okay. Is where this region is. And it was amazing because the guy took us to his spiritual temple, to the temple that he went to. And this was the best tour. This guy was a, a Sherpa. He was just amazing. But he told us about all of, cause I'd been, to, by that time I had been to so many temples, like I've been to Thailand. I've just been to so many temples. Right. This guy. Here's <laughs> another it, temple. Every, everyone is beautiful. <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone was beautiful and amazing, but it yes. was just like, okay. But this guy told us about all of the iconography outside and told us all about the different paintings inside and told us all about what it meant. And um, in, in a different way than the other guides did. And then he took us to another temple. Like he took us to some temples that were not planned, that were like not on the map. And he's like, I'm just going to take out here anyway. He's and like, so I'm excited. Was, I got to show you. Exactly. <laughs> and I, of course I had tons and tons of questions and he was happy to answer all my questions. And we went to a temple that was both a Buddhist temple and a Hindu temple. Oh. And so if you go at a certain time of day, the Buddhist monk and the Hindu priest are there at the same time. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And yeah. And that just fundamentally, just experiencing that. I got just chills. Fundamentally, just like, you know, yeah. Just, just the idea of it. Fundamentally changed me. Um, and I think, oh shoot, I don't even know what your question was now, but I just think that. No, no, like, no. Just talk about that experience. Seeing that, yeah. Seeing that connection and then sort of just seeing, because you know, Buddha was born in Nepal. Buddha mm. was a Hindu, like Jesus was a Jew, right? right? And so you see, to see firsthand 
this deep, deep history and see how all of these things are connected, it just helped me connect the dots with everything mm -hmm. else because I could really, um, for the first time, really, really make the connections between the Hindu deities and the African deities. Like, oh, Vishnu, that's Olokun. Oh, Kali, that's Oya. Like transformation and change, transformation and change. Boom, you know? Yeah. So oh my God. Um, to make those connections and see like, oh, wow, we really are all one. We just differ in our regional stuff. Like there's different, you know, people eat rice and beans different in different regions, right? But yeah. we all are eating rice and beans, right? So and just we're just into the climate, you know? Exactly. It was just like, wow, you know, it was like, wow. So all of the, so, so then do, so be that, and it's so different there too. Like it's so beautiful and um, it's really green in that part of India. Mm. It's, it's like very foresty. It kind of reminds you of the Pacific Northwest oh, wow. in that part of India. Right. Yeah. And then you go to, and then you come out into the mountains and then you get to dry arid and then you get down to Goa and it's like, beach and ocean and it's just that that's a whole nother different thing too yeah so just really being able to see the connections with with the land um the connections with this different spirituality and spiritual beliefs and the way they they kind of go together and then with the people like i literally saw a version of somebody i've ever met an indian version of somebody i ever met everybody like seriously like yeah there was an indian person that looked like somebody i knew yeah, it was a trip. Yeah, yeah. Indian people that look like you. There's Indian people that look like me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> right. It was like so, all the spirits in your life showed up as Indians while you were in India. Different, very. I saw an Indian version of Groucho Marx, who was my cab driver, who drove me all around <laughs> Delhi and was lost for two hours, getting in <laughs> Calcutta, girl. So it was definitely it. like it was amazing. So you know, it was amazing, and a lot of the struggles that I had were internal struggles mm. right of me having to like check myself and deal with my own privilege and my own americanness in this other place where you have and seeing that it's similar like because we have caste systems here too but we don't call it that yeah right yeah. like people talk about oh there's the caste system in india and it's so bad it's like we have caste systems here we just don't call it that yeah who are yeah. the who are the untouchables black brown right. and poor people yep right same stuff yep Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's so, there's so many things like <laughs> I love what I love the most is that, is that moment of seeing a Hindu priest and a Buddhist monk together in the same temple. And, and I'm assuming they're doing some offering ritual. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm offering like, you, offering you, you know, they, they blessings too, you know? Yeah. And that's just so, Oh, I have no words for that, but I want to say that, yes, spirituality is the same no matter what name you give it. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. And that there was no conflict. Yeah. Like they, I think when you, when you're looking at it from the outside, they try to make it seem like there's this conflict between this belief or that belief. And it, it just wasn't that way. Yeah. It was like, they fully recognized their similarities they just one to went this on this road and one went on that road but it's yeah. there are many many paths right one one's lighting the candle with his left hand and one's lighting right. the candle with her right hand <laughs> right 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 literally it's still the candle's still getting lit yeah <laughs> oh this is oh my god it's so beautiful i um i'm thinking about what you said as far as like you know indian versions of people in your life showing up when you're in Girl. india uh-huh yeah. <laughs> and I and I love that because I see that as like little messages of the universe saying, "Hey, you're not alone. We've, yeah. we've got you, even though we're not physically there. You know, we're yeah. going to show up as these other people." Um, you know, I had a conversation with um with this woman who does who does like this this kind of soul work. Like, I don't I don't even remember what it's called, but we were in a conversation, and she said, and I had a question. I was like, you know, if we if we're thinking about reincarnation, right? I know not everyone believes it, but I wholeheartedly do. Mm. Do the same people show up in every lifetime? Oh, she yeah. Goes, she goes, yeah, there's actually, and she didn't call it this, this is, my word is pod. Because I was like, are there yeah. a lot of people? Yeah. And she said, there's 72 souls that are bunched together. 
So yeah. in every lifetime, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. And I was like, huh. So I'm yeah. thinking like maybe those people who showed up as us, <laughs> the Indian versions are like right. mirrors yeah. of your soul group showing up. And I think that yeah. that's a beautiful way of like having that support made manifest for you. You know, because yeah, I, I was I, I I was definitely calling out and asking like it was strangely enough. It was easier for me to do my daily rituals and daily prayers when I was on the road. But I think it was because in places like India, in places like Bali, like people celebrate their ancestors and they give thanks every day. Mm. You know, in Bali, they call it Chanong, where they make these baskets made out of banana leaves and it has rice and candles. Sometimes it has cigarettes. It has whatever the, you know, whatever the ancestors like. And they put those out and light those candles and those incense and they do those prayers every single morning. Mm. And so because they were in the habit of doing it, I was like, oh, I need to make sure that I do this every day and not skip it. And doing that, you're thanking them every morning. So yes, they're coming for you. They're coming to help you. They're coming to be like, hey, girl. Don't yeah. freak out. Just go outside. And yeah. you know, like when I was freaking out in Bali, I'm like, hey, I, thank you so much for helping me. Because people, people reached out to me. I haven't seen in 20 years. Like my friend's brother was like, oh, I'm not in, I'm not in Ubud, but I'm here in Bali. If you need something, you can call me. That's um, awesome. And okay. then I met a group of black women from New York the next day and spent the whole day with them. They invited me on their tour. So it was like, it really was magic, but it really was saying, hey, if you're open and yeah. if you trust, mm. it's all going to be okay. And it's going to be better than okay. It's going to be beautiful. We will give yeah. you what you ask for. Yeah. Just, res- just respect us and pass it on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I got I think, to see that firsthand. And I love, and I love that you were able to see it because it, it, it shows that you did trust that you were open, you know, because a lot of people mm. talk about that kind of thing, you know, like, you know, the big thing is like, let's manifest some stuff, you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> and it just cracks me up. I mean, I believe in manifestation, but some of the language around it is, is, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of funny, <laughs> but, but the missing piece, it's like the, you know, some of the, some of the messages are like, if you think it, then it will appear like, you know, it's like you're some magic genie or something. But right. There's a few, there's a few layers that are at play, but it's, but it is about trusting that whatever is meant to come into your life will come when you need it at, you know, yeah. at, at the divine timing rather than at your, your timing, but you also right. have to open to it because if you're like, well, it didn't work, you know, it's because you, <laughs> Cause you said it, it wasn't going to work. You were doing something to block it and send it away. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. And, and you know, when it, so when, it, when it, they say no, right. If, if you keep running into the wall, are you going to keep running into the wall? Or are you going to try something else? Right. You know, so no doesn't mean not, no doesn't mean no forever, but no means no right now, do something right. else. You right. know, and I, of course better. I had to bang my head against the wall for a couple months. Yeah. Like, ah, you know, or make, or make a decision to leave because the same right. tour in India that I was on, this was a 26 day tour with the same people. That's a lot of days with some people. That's a lot of days with the same people. A lot of days on the buses, on trains, on mm. other things. And so I, so it was a 26 day trip. I left this group day seven. <laughs> day eight. Day eight. Day eight. For you to recognize that early on. I was like, because we were about to take a like 15 hour train ride and then another four hours in a bus. And we were going to be in a third class train with like not together. Yeah. So like with no, it was just a whole, it was a whole horrible hot mess. of of the way that it was organized plus the people were really awful and they were messing with my juju like they were really Uh like i'm in the one of the most spiritual places in the world and i'm about to snap off on you people because you're being so disrespectful to the people that are here that i can't you're just messing with my stuff so i was staying at this hotel and the woman who owned the hotel um i was asking her like if i because i'm four hours from the nearest airport Mm to even get, and I'm like, how am I going to get out of here? I'm going to have some weird guy driving me through the forest. I don't know where I'm going. And I stop and I ask her and she 
was um, a Buddhist woman. And she said, no, we will take care of you. We will get you a driver. One of my friend, my son's friends, she gave me a book of poetry that her son wrote. She took me into her meditation room and she was like, sometimes you need to just sit. And she sat and she meditated with me and she praised me for making the decision to leave. Cause I was like, I was crying. I was like, I can't, I was like, this is a lot, because this trip was a lot of money. I was like, I, yeah. you know, I'm going to lose the money on this, but I can always make more money. I can never yeah. get my time back. Correct. And she praised me. And then, you know, and it was like the day I was leaving, there was a podcast on with the Dalai Lama and it was a beautiful trip. And like, we, you know, the guy played music for me. He was lovely. Mm-hmm. I got a flight out and I flew straight down to Goa. And after that, once I made that decision. Yeah. Um, I got reinforcement that that was the right thing to do because this was my trip. This was my journey. Um, and it wasn't about money and it wasn't about like saving face with these people or anything like that. And once I just acknowledged that everything changed and I got down to Goa and everything changed and I was able to really start really studying yoga and start practicing sitting and start practicing walking meditation and seeing turtles and all kinds of animals and meeting the woman from LA who was a black yogi and, um, and all of the things that I'd hoped for, I got. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it was definitely, it was definitely difficult for a little bit, but I think you have to have that. Like, I think if you, if you travel and you don't have a little bit of a struggle, then you didn't really travel. Right. Yeah, but I also feel like um, that particular ex- story is an example of the universe saying, "How badly do you want the thing that you want?" Mm-hmm. You know, because because right now you can just stay committed to this twenty-six day trip. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, maybe it's not about the money, and maybe it's it's more about like, well, I signed up for this trip and I need to commit to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's mm-hmm. the story in our head where right. you know if I don't follow through on this 26 day trip with these awful people, what does that say about me and my, my idea of commitment? But then the question is really like, well, what are you committing to? Right. For you to recognize that and say, I want to commit to myself, even if it means I got to break away from this group and lose Mm -hmm. money on that. I mean, look at all the things that just lined up for you. Yeah. Because I also, I know myself, like when I get to that point, when I'm at that point, it is not going to be good. Like, yeah. it's not going to be good for me, and it's, it's certainly not going to be good for anybody else. <laughs> so it was really right. about, like, the good for the collective whole is for me to bounce right now. And the lady was like, well, what, you know, she was like, how many days? I'm like, 26. And she's like, well, what day is this? And I was like, seven. And she was like, oh. And I was like, yeah. I'm not spending another 16 days with these people. I'm not spending another, because, I, you know, it just felt, like, really heavy. And it was like, yeah. I mean, we are at, like, one of the most famous monasteries in the world mm. and these people are getting on my nerves and even the, the monk that was the tour guide was getting on my nerves because he wouldn't let us like take the time to really look at again we learned about all the different iconography of the place and what the different symbols mean and what the different paintings mean and he's not letting us look at them oh. he just wants to like boom 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 and get us through yeah. and i'm like, like how do you can how can you be present for that exactly so I'm like, yeah, the, the picture that I posted on Facebook where I'm standing away from the yeah, booth yeah, that I got I that, book, that, that was, that was that time. It was like the monk was making me mad. The tour guide was making me mad. The people, I was like, nope. So yeah. the next day I was, I was out. So Good yeah. for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Good for you. For and that's a trust. Knowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big trust. But yeah. I feel like your whole trip was a way to really reinforce that inner knowing and that deep trust in yourself. You know, I feel like, you know, when we met, it was, it was, you were just wrapping up starting. You were wrapping up your, you just retired from your, from your, I just retired from my job. Yeah. And and yeah, you were just getting going, but I, but even then, and I I just, you know, I had just gotten carjacked right before. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Oh my God. That that changed everything. No. Yeah. Yeah. It changed everything because I needed to know, that there was danger out there in the world. Mm. It helped me. It really helped me stay safe from then on. And that white light of protection uh, mantra that you gave me, I still use and um, was very, very helpful. 
very, yeah. very helpful for me. Yeah. So but thank I mean, you. You're welcome. But I want to say that even, even then, like early on, before you went on this, this physical journey of going, you know, across the country and around the world, that you already had trust in yourself and in the universe. So I feel like these life experiences you've had over the last three years were just reinforcements to really mm. peel away even more layers of, you know, these these external things that we don't we don't need. Um, and so I'm just I'm just so happy that. I get to talk to you about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so happy for you and that you just really did help me. I mean, you, you know who your people are mm-hmm. when you, and I'm definitely one of those people who don't like to ask people for help. You yeah. know, I don't like to ask for things. And it's so wonderful to be able to ask and then have people help you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And just re- and just know that like, okay, right. Like you said, like, I'm not here by myself. I'm not, I'm by myself, but I'm not alone. Right. And I do have help and I can do this and I can learn this thing because yoga was something, something that's always been very, very intimidating for me. Hmm. Um, even the, the study of it, the practice of it, everything about it. And my mom was a yogi as well. And I think for a long time, I just kind of like, Oh, mom, I don't want to, you know, I don't, yeah. don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to, I can't sit there. Yoga's hard. It hurts. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, you know, you have to stop thinking about yoga as exercise. Right. Because right? it's not just physical exercise. It's about a whole, you know, spiritual, it's about, it's about a whole, your whole being. Yeah. Um, totally. Totally. And when I finally committed to doing that, to like learning what that means, I'm like, oh, wow, it opened up, a, and thank you, it opened up a whole world for me. Because the books that you, I have those books, the books that you told me to get, I bought them on my, um, like an IE version of them, yeah. an electronic version of them, but of my mother's books that are in my storage unit in Chicago, she has those. So yeah. I've had those books for a really long time. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready. You're not ready to receive it, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. We you hear know. the things that we need to hear at the right time. You know, I mean, how many times does you, did your mother like say to you, do the yoga, do the yoga, try the yoga. And uh, you're like, no, 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 no. You know, look how long it uh, took to actually be able to receive that message. But she planted yeah. it, right? Yeah. So it's funny because I do that now with my kids where <laughs> I, I, it, it occurred to me like, oh, you can't unhear anything. So right. I'm just going to keep talking to my kids, whether they actually actively listen or not, they're still going to hear it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to hear it. They're going to hear the, your voice in their head for the rest of their lives. And, it, and they may be 30 before they have the realization, right. like, oh, that's what she, because you don't know until you know, right? Right, right. And so we have to live and experience some stuff. That's what the old people always used to say, right? Mm-hmm. You have to live and experience some stuff to really even have the understanding of what our parents and our grandparents are trying to tell us sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You You have to live it to learn it. Right. Yeah. And I'm a little hard headed. Oh, (laughs) you and me both sister. You and me both. I mean, growing up, my parents would always call me hard headed and I was like, Oh, I don't even know what that means, but okay. (laughs) You know, it took a while, but I mean, the thing is, it's like, yeah, we have to, we are, we learn our lessons when we're ready to learn them. And the thing is, if we are not ready to learn them, the universe will keep sending that message, mm-hmm. those lessons until we actually learn them. You know, the, I mean, the example I'd like yeah. to give is like, you keep dating the same person over and over. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? Keep until dating you your dad. And your mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You figure it out. You're like, Oh, this person and this person have the same qualities. And these are the same reasons why the relationship ended. Uh-huh what's that pattern? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> some people don't get it that they'll be like in that cycle of patterns for forever until finally something gets like bonked on the head and you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe I need to like, it's like that banging your head against the wall thing you were yeah. talking about earlier. It's like, yeah. okay, maybe I'll just turn this way. Maybe okay, I'm, oh, Hey, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Look at there. Oh, Marguerite, this was so great. I am so happy to talk to you. I'm so glad to hear about your journeys and how so many things have been unfolding for you. And it's been beautiful. Um, I can't wait to read more of your work in the world. I know that you've got some poems that are now floating out in the universe. I'm going to put those um, links in the show notes so people can find your work online. Oh, cool. Thanks. That's awesome. 
But um, to close out the show, do you have a poem you would like I to share with us? I do have a poem that I want to share with you. Um, and it's called Blessing the Boats by <gasps> Lucille Clifton. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think this, it's perfectly fitting for um, what we're talking about. So Blessing the Boats by Lucille Clifton um, at St. Mary's. May the tide that's entering even now, the lip of our understanding, carry you out beyond the face of fear. May you kiss the wind and then turn from it, certain that it will love you back. May you open your eyes to water, water waving everywhere, forever. May you, in your innocence, sail through this to that. Ashe. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marguerite, for sharing your time with us and sharing just you, your beautiful spirit, who you are. I love it. I'm so excited that you could be on the show. Um, and I hope my listeners get to understand just how much of a blessing it is to, to hear you. And hopefully they will um, find some goodness in the work that you're putting out there. I really appreciate Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be a guest on your show. It's awesome. Thank you. All right. So to close out the episode, as we always do, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Namaste. Are you craving connection and community? Are you also longing for some quiet time to go within? You can do both at this special retreat for writers of color called Healing the Decolonized Voice. We must put our well-being first by taking care of ourselves, soothing our hurts, and to do some self-healing. Imagine being able to write from a place of healing instead of pain. Imagine releasing blocks and feeling the flow of writing moving like magic. You'll spend four days in the mountains with a small group of writers receiving deep healing through a retreat that includes meditation and gentle yoga. Plus, you get your very own writing studio. In the evenings, we'll close each day with sacred healing circles around a bonfire. Come join me with an open mind and a soft heart. Registration deadline is August 15th. Space is extremely limited to allow for social distancing. Sign up today. Go to suryagiyan.com slash healing the decolonized voice for more information. Your healing work starts now.